Hey folks, so if you're if you're just joining, I have a, an amazing guest. Um, it's Andre, the artist known as RAC. Um, <laughs> Thanks so, for having me. Stoked to be yeah. here. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Super cool for you to join. I mean, um, I, I'd love to kind of like just hear your story of how you got into crypto and like computer science and programming. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I, I guess I've, I've always been into computers, like even as a kid. Uh, it's funny because back in, I mean, I don't know what year it was, uh, late 90s maybe, uh, where I like begged and begged my parents for a PlayStation and uh, th- and they were like, no, 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 here's a PC instead. And I'm like, I don't want a PC, like I want a PlayStation, you know. Um, and, you know, th- this is back in the day when PCs really weren't uh, like, you know, they were gaming machines, but not really. It was like a different type of game. Um, anyway, so I, I was like pretty annoyed that I got this PC. But the more I get into it, I realized it's like, oh, I can like kind of take this apart and figure out how it works and install new parts and, and buy better parts. You know, it's like sort of like uh, always like a work in progress type of a thing. So that got me hooked on it. Um, and also just getting into music, you know, they were very much connected. You know, it's uh, music production and, and computers kind of go hand in hand. They tend to be pretty technical. So... I was just interested in computers from an early age. I started installing Linux and, um, what, what was your distro? Um, actually like my, well, I think my first was red hat. And then I got into, just because that was like the kind of the most prominent one at the time. And then I got into more of like Slackware. So a little more difficult nice. for like a, you know, a 13 year old, like messing around with computers. But, um, then I started to build like these little, kind of standalone boxes, like uh, my own email server and stuff. I, I, like I never really got it to work properly, but it was it was really fun messing around with my home network because the place I lived in at the time, my parents' house actually had like in like ethernet through the walls. So that was like pretty fun just to, like not even connected to the internet, just like a local kind of, you know, networking setup started playing with that. And um, yeah, it's a, I, that was sort of just like a very in- introduction to you know, computers in general. And, um, you know, from there, I kind of had a, uh, many, many, many years where I switched to Mac and then kind of went back to PCs and went back and forth over the years. Uh, but you know, I've always been interested in computers and I have probably too many computers in my house and servers and the home lab and running kind of crazy setups. But, um, you know, it's, it's like just like a fun hobby for me. And, um, you know, like setting up different subnets for my Wi-Fi. So when people come over, they don't have access to my LAN, you know, like trust nobody type of thing. Um, (laughs) Honeypot SSH servers. I don't know, like uh, (laughs) anything to, to, um, you know, just kind of mess with people. But anyway, um, so, so I, I've always been into computers and uh, I I will get to crypto, I swear, but uh, you know, the, it, because of that, I've always I've always been pretty close to seeing like things advance over time. You know whether that was like Napster or you know the early internet. Um, you know I was in IRC uh, chat rooms a lot. That's where I learned a lot of like early music production stuff, um, and it, just kind of networking online. Because I, I again for context, I, I lived in Portugal, which is uh, you know kind of a different. Um, spot. I was a, somewhat isolated, and uh, it was a great way to connect with all kinds of different people, and 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 you know see how I, I don't know, kind of learn how things are done. Um, so you know, fast forward many many years, 
after seeing the rise of BitTorrent and, and, and all this stuff, I, um, I had sort of like, I think loosely heard about Bitcoin. Um, I think like most people, I, I, I'm not one of those people that are like, oh yeah, I read the white paper. It's like, no, I, <laughs> like I didn't read the white paper. <laughs> like, I heard about it on some article, you know, some clickbait article like everybody else. Um, and, you know, at the time it was like, you just heard about the Silk Road. And like, I think part of me was kind of like, oh, that's cool. You know, like, like a place, like an, like sort of a, a free port for the internet, you know, um, obviously it was some negative stuff too, but, but, it, but, you know, this idea of sort of like, I, I've always liked this sort of nature of the internet that it's a little bit outside of control and like, we're kind of a little bit rebellious and, um, you know, I, I would, uh, again, definitely not like a hacker or anything like that, but I would, I would download issues of 2600 on in like text format or whatever, and pretend like I knew what they were talking about. Did you get the DM, D, DMCA, whatever decoder shirt with the, no, no, I'm not that deep into it, but, but it, it was like, it, it, anyway, like it was just kind of like a fun. I was at best a script kitty, basically. Uh, you know, I would I would write my own IRC scripts and and, and things like that. Um, anyway, I, I'm just trying to paint a, a nerdy picture. Like uh, <laughs> I wasn't super knowledgeable, but but I had fun with it. Um, and and then you know around I think you know, 2013, maybe I first heard about it. You know, through a clickbait article or something. And then in 2016 was when I really started to. Um, like okay, look, let me look into this and, and and see see what this is about. Uh, I think I also at the same time started investing in other things, so uh, it it seemed like a natural thing to look into. And wh- when I actually started to dig into it, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Um, this is they sort of solve like digital scarcity in a really interesting way. Um, and you know, it was just kind of like, it's like, oh, this is actually much more than what I thought it was. Like, this is like peer to peer, you know, I had sort of seen the power of BitTorrent and, and, you know, that, that was, it's, it's kind of like the same idea as BitTorrent, but with like a system of value exchange attached to it. So I was like, that kind of solved the economic side of it because BitTorrent, you sort of had to, you had to expect people to participate in it out of the goodness of their hearts, you know? Yep. Um, so it, it was kind of a very interesting like technology, but sort of held back by that. So anyway, I saw BitTorrent or, or Bitcoin as sort of a natural progression in that, even though they're completely different technologies, but ide- idealistically similar. Um, and around the same time, I think I, I stumbled on a video of Vitalik uh, Buterin talking about Ethereum. And I was, that's when, um, you know, light bulbs really kind of went off. And I was like, oh, this, you can apply this to anything. Like this is, uh, is generalized, you know, I was like super uh, fascinated by it. And I, I became obsessed with it. I watched every single video I could. I watched every single DEF CON video. Like I became kind of like, um, you know, really sucked into it. And, uh, and, but my, my first reaction to it is like, oh, this can solve so many issues in the music industry. Um, not, not like the currency aspect of it. I always felt like that was kind of like a use case, but not the use case, you know, um, but sort of the, the, the pipe, the piping of the music industry could be built on this system, which means that it's, it's sort of, it's open source in that, in that way where it's, no single party can control it. Um, and it's sort of shared by everybody, you know, um, basically a level playing field. Like that was the idea. Uh, and 
I just thought that was amazing. It was like, this is going to change the world. Like everything's going to be better. And then I quickly started working with it. It was like, Oh, we are so early. <laughs> like, yeah, this is just starting. Um, there are some real problems. Uh, again, nothing that seemed impossible or, or, you know, but it was, it was like, Oh, this is like very early days. Um, so I, I got hooked up with a bunch of people in the Ethereum world, um, at consensus, uh, Joe Lubin and all that, like one of the co-founders of Ethereum, like uh, he had this project called Ujo that was part of Consensus, and then I really started working with those guys, and uh, that's where, where I've, I kind of like dabbled in my first project on Ethereum, basically releasing my second album at the time through, uh, you know, through a, basically a smart contract. So it's like if you deposit X amount of ETH, you get an IPFS link in return, you know, basically. So pr- pretty simple stuff, That's but, awesome. um, but like the I, ideologically it was sound because it's, it's like direct to fan, you know, there's no, there's, uh, you know, uh, network fees. That's it. Um, so it, to me, it was, it was more symbolic. It was more like the, it, it was a talking point, something to sort of explain. It was a jumping off point where I could explain some of the issues of the music industry, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, okay, that was that was a, a roundabout awesome. way of getting there, but that's that was my first introduction into this whole world. I, like I, I kind of like when I first kind of thought of NFT, heard of NFTs, I was a bit dismissive, but then I kind of like hit me that this is like software getting copyright law and like that whole like part of like how art and music is distributed is like can be done like with NFTs, and I think. My realization like came after I started thinking that um, this was actually totally different discussion about like data and like where data comes from. Like if we forget about all the old data, all the old music, but new music that's issued has like attached NFT to it. I think there's, it just kind of like will be like a shelling point for like, oh, if I have the first NFT that has a pointer to this like song i have i hold the copyright to it. it's obvious right like yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like you don't even need to like write it into law right it just kind of i think will become that like simply from usage it's sort of self-reinforcing you're you're able to like program the terms yourself into the actual thing itself um the, the way that i think about nfts is more like a container um it, it's sort of a container of any data you want really uh, it, it's a way to sort of make it scarce and maybe that's artificially scarce, but um, it sort of flies in the face of like what we currently have, which is so much, uh, how should I put it? Like um, just everything's infinite, you know, there's infinite yeah. copies of everything. And I, I think we've proven that that model doesn't work like, uh, you know, for, for certain things. Um, and and I, I I don't think the for example like the ad model or uh, anything like that really works for for music and for art because um, it, it's just it, it can't really work at that scale or something. So this idea of introducing kind of a, a real world analog to it, which is like artificial scarcity, I think is a, an interesting experiment um, where the data itself is technically you can copy it infinitely but there's sort of this intangible ownership that may be tangible through like a royalty share or something like that. Um, but I, I, I'd actually maybe even go as far as to argue that just ownership for the sake of ownership could be valuable as well. Right. 
yep. which is which is pretty interesting because it kind of flips the entire model. Um, so where it's like maybe you can have something that is just freely available, but somebody could own it, and maybe that would be valuable. And that's how you capture some of the value. Anyway, I, <laughs> there's so many ways you can kind of take this argument, but it, but it's it's super interesting stuff, right? Like, yeah, I I like I've, I've always like thought of Bitcoin and proof of work as like a like a monument that people like chiseled out of entropy, like all this energy <laughs> that's put into this, it's like, like equivalent of somebody like carving a mountain into like a, a piece of art, right? Like mm -hmm. those zeros that add up to like, a, a, to that, like, like magic number, I think are, are like this mathematical thing that that's like, takes a big pile of electrons to find, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really interesting way of thinking about it because yeah, it does obviously the power consumption, if you think about it from that perspective, it is, maybe that is like a good bridge for people to start to value dig digital items, you know? Because uh, it's not really, I think we've proven at this point, it's not really necessary. Maybe necessary is the first one, you know? Do you have like, um, I mean, do you think that, like you need proof of work or like, uh, do you have an opinion on that? Or like, is, is that like, like a thing that you're like, like a religion that you hold? I guess. <laughs> no, I, I'm not uh, religious about it. I mean, like the, the, this, when I was getting into this stuff, but, and by the way, like I've, I've mined quite a bit, um, like not Bitcoin, but I, I mined like a whole bunch of other <laughs> uh, garbage that, uh, that is not worth anything. <laughs> but um, no, I, <laughs> I, I I don't think proof of work is necessary now. Um, I, I think it'll continue to exist in, in the form of, of uh, you know, of, for, for Bitcoin. I think it'll per, it'll like be pervasive, but I don't think it's necessary. I, I think we've sort of um, gotten over that hump of, uh, again, I'm not an economist, but this is just my opinion, like uh, that you can create value um through belief in, the, in that system. And it doesn't require the expenditure of energy to, to prove the security of that system. You know, if, if enough people believe in the security of the system and it's obviously secure, then, then it's, I, I think that should be enough. Um, but uh, like, again, like maybe as a first, it makes sense that it would be, um, yeah. this is kind of like tangible things like no we're spending energy like we're, we're and it, but it also, it's also had like a really interesting impact where it's it's um it, it's sort of uh been or people are trying to use like excess energy from like dams or or like other resources that usually the energy actually got wasted so it's kind of kind of interesting um to see the, the kind of the mining world head to that i guess you know kind of yeah. a, improve its efficiency i guess yeah. Yeah. I like, I tend, I think like, I agree with you that it had like the first one was probably needed to be that. And then like, I think like the, the, to me, like the weird missing piece was just people didn't know how to use cryptography. Like literally like my job at Qualcomm, it took like a bajillion meetings for them to sign a piece of code. And that mm -hmm. could happen once every six months. And like, Binance signs a million things per day. Like right. it's just like the tech, like the the, the the learning and the knowledge of how to do this just wasn't there. But like, um, do you think like the NFT side, like the kind of the audio, um, like artist um, angle there with, with like smart contracts, is that more 
like replicating the financial contracts between like artists and labels or is it like like how, how like to me that uh, that part is obvious right you can like write an nft that's got like revenue share and people can transfer mm-hmm. it and hoard them right <laughs> they can right hoard, yeah, yeah right but like is there something more there that that is more like i don't know artist facing or like i don't know like one one favorite thing of mine was that like um Trent Reznor releases like mini discs of his samples, so you could just kind of like play around with. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, like the, that's the thing is like this. This is this format. It can be anything. Like, I could I could include all session files, all stems, every single little bit of. I, I could sort of, um, you know, I mean, this is more just like a- abstract thinking, but like I, I could basically put the entire file and everything surrounding it the artwork the music video everything in this sort of container format and um and you know yeah like mint that as an nft for example or uh and it's it 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 sort of changes its application so like if you if you own the nft maybe you load it into like a music player and then you listen to the music or maybe you load it into like a music program and you're able to actually open up the whole file and it's sort of this idea of unifying the whole package basically in, in, into one thing, I think is really interesting. Um, yeah. No, the, the, the NFT space is like, I, I feel like it, it's, it's having, it's like another thing, like I was talking about earlier, I was like, it's so early that we haven't really even defined it. Right. It's so kind of open-ended. So I love this idea of incorporating the contract, like into the NFT itself. And I'd actually go a step further in, in um, integrating the actual market for it. So, like, if you have, if if you have like each, um, you know, NFT that has like the unified market within it, so like all these other platforms could sort of like tie into it and and share that that um, you know liquidity pool or whatever if you want to think about it that way. I think that's a pretty interesting way of sort of reversing the role versus like having oh, we're only selling it on this platform or that platform. So you can have it in multiple places and people and platforms compete over, you know, uh, curation perhaps or like something like that. So it's um, it's so open-ended, I guess. Like it's like, it's just really interesting um, to, to see where this can go. Like uh, I, to answer your question about like where, where it goes with music, like I, I think the first experiment is really um, artificial scarcity because uh, up until now, up until like 2001, we kind of had some form of scarcity through vinyl, you know, or through cassettes or, I mean, CDs were easy to mass produce, you know, but to some extent you still had a little bit of a cost. You didn't make infinite copies, you know? Yeah. So n- now that we've made music more accessible than ever, and it's, it's like a golden age for the consumer, um, the financial side of it on the back end is just not feasible. Um, so it's sort of like it's been priced infinitely or as if it's supposed to be priced for 6 billion people when, you know, reality, like it's never going to get to that. Um, so anyway, throwing around a lot of ideas, but, but basically like I, I, I can see this, um, you know, kind of, uh, j- just becoming like, you know, like a, like a standardized format for, for music files to some degree, you know, um, I, I don't think we'll get there overnight, but like over time, I would like to, you know, be able to upload an NFT that's sort of like a finalized thing that's that anybody can access and trade and do whatever they want with, you know. Um, and that's sort of the release process. That that would be um, 
like my like when I kind of first talked to Raniel and Audius, like I thought it'd be awesome if I could, you know, like load up a tracker and just pull a bunch of stuff together and mix it up and then mm-hmm. post that. And then that's like a derivative work of art. You can't do that really, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. But like it could automatically flow all the all the financials and like kind of like attribution to users and, and to like the people doing the stuff. And I think the ownership part is, is pretty interesting to the to like the fans because like anyone that's deriving those works automatically kind of has access to that fan base, right? It's not yeah, like yeah. exclusionary. The, the the derivatives work is is very interesting because uh, like obviously that's been a big part of my career or something I've definitely focused on but um, I think it would be really interesting for like the artists uh, to basically you know add in a clause or something like that into the smart contract where it's like if you make a derivative work of this like you um, you can get up to like ten percent or twenty percent whatever it is like that it's arbitrary of any preceding sales. So it's like, I think that's kind of interesting where we sort of allow for this permissionless um, remixing as long as it, you know, as long as I think everybody's happy as long as there's like income being generated, you know, and if, if somebody wants to recreate the song in an interesting way and people see value in that, it should, it should kind of accrue back to the, you know, center, I guess. Um, that's how I'm thinking about it. Are you like, um, like are you getting like fans that are into crypto just coming from you like uh, how they got into crypto just through you directly yeah it's it's been really interesting so i like i just like launched this token thing and um that's been a learning experience because i mean we knew that we were primarily giving it to non-crypto people um but I, i still think this idea of owning a token and participating in something still makes sense inherently to, to people it's not like that's not such a foreign concept but the actual like you know process of getting stuff into your metamask and then you know going through that whole song and dance is like kind of a learning experience still early days <laughs> um i i feel like once you once you're in it it's not it's not too bad but it's that first step um, like, I mean, we noticed this in 2017. It was like, I, I think I kind of joked about it and said it was like 36 steps, you know, to get, to buy, a, get wire money into the Coinbase, then buy Ether and then transfer to whatever. And, you know, like, and, and like do this and that, and then finally interact with the contracts. But, um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's come a long ways, but it's still, it's still kind of a learning experience. Although like I've, I've been, I felt very supported by the crypto community at large. Um, I, I, I've, I'm coming at it from more of a perspective. Like I want to experiment with this stuff. I want to try different things. Um, some of it may fail or whatever, but it's, it's not, the point isn't like to make a bunch of money, whatever. The point is actually to just push this, push these ideas forward and like try, try different things and learn from them and, and so maybe the next person that tries it doesn't make the same mistake or something. And I, I've already, I think, avoided a lot of mistakes that were made by people that tried different things before me. So it, it's all kind of part of the process, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like the experimentation side and but this stuff is like like fairly like risk free for the most part, unless you like launch a, a token with like a. <laughs> <laughs> the bad contract that people just ignore and, and like buy. Right. <laughs> um, 
outside of like the horrible bugs that we see, like, I think it's fairly risk-free and like, I think it's fun. Like, this is cool. Like, um, it is (laughs) so cool. Like I, I, to me, like, this is like the coolest thing ever. And, um, I, I think we're, we're still going through kind of a learning phase where, um, people are so people, everybody still calls them cryptocurrencies and like, okay, that's fine. That is one application of it, but that's like, that's just one tiny little thing that you can do with this. Like, this is, this is so much more. This is like open source with some, some teeth, you know, this is, uh, it's, it's like a new form of organizing. It's, it's like, it's so many different things all at once and it's chaotic, but it's, um, me experimenting with this to your point is like, what's the downside? People won't notice and not think about it, you know? Okay. <laughs> like, I don't care. It's fine. Uh, I'd rather fail than like, you know, than not do it. Um, so to, to me, this stuff is super obvious. Like you just got to try it and see what happens. And yeah. there's, there's some advantages to being first mover too. So why not? You know? Yeah, for sure. I like, I think there's still like a, like I, re- I remember, like I, I used to like build Gentoo systems. That was my nice. distro, yeah. and there were people that would like spend their free time trying to rewrite like Nvidia drivers. They would like, <laughs> <laughs> like, who are these people? Like, it's, right. it's awesome that you would like be that involved into a hobby that you would just kind of try to do something super hard and like yeah. accomplish it. Um, it still feels like that a bit with crypto. Like you're, it's definitely like a, a ton of hard work. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's really interesting because you get those people that are sort of passionate about a problem, but then you add this sort of maybe a mechanism of some sort of of earning something from it. You know, uh, it, it's like it's n- now you potentially have the option of owning a piece of th- like the infrastructure of the internet. Like this is like deep stuff. I mean, imagining, you know, not to say this would be a good thing, but like imagining owning a piece of HTTPS or, or like, you know, like some, some part of that mechanism, even if it's like a governance thing, I, I don't know. Like it's like, it sort of goes beyond any kind of thing that we, we really have. We can't really compare it to many things. Um, and, and just that the way that it connects people and, and, sort of aligns people in like working on a, on a project is just super interesting. Um, and I mean, I think we're starting to see people that uh, are able to make a full-time living from just working on various crypto projects. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really cool. Um, I, there's like a, a <laughs> I heard this theory that like, you know, the, the simulation would likely train itself on the data that led up to the simulation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And, and like the systems we're building are like persistent data storage systems. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. We're kind of setting ourselves up, aren't yeah, we? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this, this is just, uh, this is like the algorithm and like an adversarial, adversarial algorithm, like figuring out, if, if there's any failure points of, if we fail to, to achieve, yeah. you know, this, yeah. like, so it's like, we're just, we're just one of the many simulations trying to make it happen yeah. Yeah. until we find the yeah. right one that does, or maybe, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> every permutation of every consensus algorithm, right. To see which one. Right. Works. Right. Right. <laughs> we're kind of seeing it play out. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I hadn't thought about that. No, no. <laughs> No, I just got existential, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I uh, like 
I felt like out of this like DeFi boom, one of the coolest things was this like governance side. Um, because I think like, I remember when like Facebook took off um, and they kind of nailed like a, like their growth strategy, like the boring stuff that's super lame about them. They, they were really good at it. <laughs> and that, <laughs> now we have this like trillion dollar company that nobody in the nineties predicted would be a thing. Like there were right. six degrees and you kind of poke around the internet. And then like, I, I think governance tokens have this kind of, I think potential, like if you can get like a hundred million people organized around like this, this automatic weird voting decision-making thing that that's kind of yeah. absurd, like absurdly powerful. Yeah. It's a, it just, it scales at a different pace, right? Because like, obviously there's like all kinds of issues. Um, uh, you know, I, I, we can see that our, our large governance <laughs> pretty, pretty real today, I guess uh, our, our large governance systems, uh, you know, are slow and clunky and, and, uh, I don't think like blockchain immediately fixes all of that or anything like that, but I, I think it, it's sort of, it's still a kind of at that first phase. We're still just thinking about it and, and figuring out like in 2017, it was what our governance, our idea was governance was like, give me all your money now and I'll swear I'll do something later. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like no vesting, no anything like things that were sort of like taken for granted in the traditional like BC world. They're just like thrown out the window. It's like, we can raise $50 million. Sure. Why not? You know? Um, <laughs> so n now I think this time around, people are a little more grown up about it. Now there's like, you know, more robust governance systems that are decentralized and like all that. And, and we're starting to see problems with that. Like for example, with MakerDAO, somebody used like a flash loan to, to pass a vote. You know, it's like, oh, okay. All right. And we're doing that now. Um, <laughs> the, the, that was a bug in the Maker contract. Was it? I mean, yeah. I mean, but do you, do you need to write like, I mean, this is like the crazy thing about designing these systems is like every market you create that values tokens needs to defend it against flash loans. So. Right. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, the flash loans are fascinating um, when you, because it, I guess it's, it's not an infinite liquidity, but it's, I guess with the new uh, uh, mint, W, w yeah, the mint one. That one can get interesting real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. But th this idea of, of basically borrowing, you know, hundreds of, maybe not hundreds of millions of dollars, but like, you know, 10 to $15 million in an instant and paying it back in the same transaction is like a, opens a whole another <laughs> side of this that, that is super fascinating. I always thought of it as like um, garbage collection for like information. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the fact that, that you can make money with this instant thing means that there's like kind of garbage state, right. That needs to be removed from the system. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like a dream scenario for anybody that does arbitrage trading. Right. Like, you know, uh, I mean, can now you don't, you're not held back by your own funds. Uh, if you find an edge on, on, on a mar in a market, you can tap into it immediately for free. Well, not for free, but for like a small fee. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. Exchanges will like, if you're plugged into an exchange that will give you liquidity, if you can like pay it back right away. So like, like everything else, I think the space kind of like disintermediates all these people and like gives us access to everybody now. Right. Mm -hmm. like this, <laughs> which is awesome.
Yeah, no, I, I've like, again, I'm not really coming from a financial background, but I've I had so much fun this summer with, with DeFi and I, it feels like we've kind of leveled off at this point, but it, it's it was it got wild there for a bit. It was like <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of intense um, and it was interesting because it brought in it was like a different type of person, like even the 2017 crypto crowd was like, wait, what? It's like, what? <laughs> what is this? Um, and I, so I find it, I found it fascinating. I felt like it was more, um, insular. It was less like kind of retail investor, uh, types and more just kind of tinkerers and a little bit of hackers and just, I mean, in the broader sense, you know, just like trying to play with this stuff. Um, but like, yeah, it's like, I, every new project, it was, it was just, it was, you know, debating whether you risk any amount of funds going into some unaudited contract just to get like a little bit of an edge on somebody like it's I can't recommend it but um you know if if you uh if you don't mind a little risk it's it's it can be pretty fun <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm i'm amazed how like like there's like kind of social norms that are like haven't been broken like the mining pools themselves don't do any of this like it seems mm-hmm. like they like let people like they don't they don't try to order transactions in the mining pool they don't like mess with like the status quo just mm-hmm. kind of cool right like there's like yeah. these hidden there's these hidden social like um pressures on on like what tip what typically people like try to analyze are like you know you need super majority for the system to be like honest but like <laughs> there, there's like weird weird points how that pressure is applied um yeah it, it, it and you know it's interesting to see these these projects sort of evolve over time and like fall into these like levels of balance right of accountability where all the you, you all the game theory you study doesn't you can't predict all of this stuff so it's just it's it's interesting the the stuff that i i've i found really fascinating reading about was the mempool stuff like the um, uh, of like trying to front run transactions or back run transactions. Um, when you, uh, th- there was one specific one with compound, I think where they, they saw that the compound transaction that was going to initiate a, uh, like, uh, something that needed to be, uh, I'm, I'm like spacing out on the term right now, but one, one of the loans is going to be delinquent basically. And they had, and, and that transaction was going out and they, they were trying to, there's all these competing algorithms to try to time the next one just to get the, the reward. So it's, <laughs> this is all, this is all happening and nobody's really aware of it. And, um, you know, you just send your transaction, you have no, you don't even care about it, but like all this, these giant battles are being fought like you know um but you know beneath it and under a different layer i don't know i find it fascinating it's it's super interesting yeah this this is like kind of like like those early days like 2600 days where people like the adoption of the internet was like in still like hacker land but it was kind of people were aware of it at that point right like Mm -hmm. um I think that's what made it interesting to the hackers because you now are like kind of have normal people using this, but you kind of have a superpower. You like understand the tech, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the yellow book, right? On on this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I used to, I used to have this, um, um, it was this like, I had a couple applications that, um, again, this is the dial up days 
where uh, it basically you could flood somebody's network because again with an IRC like you uh, you know like there every you could see everybody's IP address so um, and uh, y- you know you could basically <laughs> like knock somebody offline if they were being annoying or something like that uh, <laughs> through just like you know flooding their their network or if you had a couple friends you could time it so like to, to definitely make sure they couldn't back get back online. Um, anyways, like it was sort of this like combative, um, you know, people would send like Trojans to each other and like try to, I don't know. It's like, it's like, I just wrote this little application, check yeah. it out. It's like, <laughs> backdoor access, you know? Um, isn't that, isn't that way cooler than like asking the mods to ban somebody? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was way more fun, uh, to be honest, but I mean, I, obviously that doesn't scale, you know, but it, it was just, it, this, I think that it, the point maybe we're trying to make is like, this feels like that time, right? This feels like still early days um, where, I mean, there's everything, there's scams, there's uh, like shit projects, but there's also like amazing groundbreaking stuff all, all at the same time. And and you have to kind of like sift through it and figure it out. And, and you're sort of responsible for, for your own decisions. And you have to, you know, if you, if you jump into like a, an unaudited contract that Andre Kranje like yeah. posted, <laughs> you know, maybe, uh, you know, if you lost some funds, maybe you had it coming, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, take yeah. some responsibility yeah. for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it, it's just, it, it kind of changes a lot of sort of, uh, the, uh, it changes a lot of things about the internet in a, which, in, in a really positive way. And I'm, I'm just like stoked to kind of be along for the ride and, yeah yeah same here honestly like i think it's just like i i kind of got infected like i felt like my brain was infected with 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 the idea of of like building this stuff and i can't imagine what else would be working on (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i know it's it's like i I feel like a lot of people will have that experience it's like when they first it's like when you discover when you sort of see the potential of it it's hard to look at anything else really because it's just that kind of, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's just that big of a deal. (laughs) Um, And I would be so surprised if this didn't amount to anything. Like I just, I just, you know, maybe I have this sort of like blind faith that it will succeed, but um, in some form or another, I feel like these ideas will will permeate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think, I think we're past that point of, of like questioning that. Um, it's almost like the boring stuff, like copyright law <laughs> is like actually like probably going to succeed as well. Like, um, are you, are you like, um, do you see like other artists, uh, like kind of be interested in this space? Like, is it kind of growing? Yeah, I, I think there's, um, there's definitely like a good amount of people that are into this. Uh, I, it's kind of funny because a lot of them aren't very open about it. Um, I think maybe because uh, it, it bleeds a little bit into investing and like that, you know, it's, it's a different world. Like, you know, you don't see musicians talking about stock picks or, you know, yeah. or, you know, buying Apple calls or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's so, but like there's actually like a pretty good amount of people that are into this stuff um, just from that perspective of, you know, making a little bit of money on the side. But there, there is like a small subset of people that I think see the potential on like beyond that, you know? And uh, 
So, so there are a growing number of people that are into this. What I will say is uh, a lot of people tend to pay attention when there's money being made. And, and like that, uh, I, I noticed specifically with the NFT stuff recently, um, just for context, I, I sold my first NFT as a collaboration with an artist friend of mine. And it actually it broke the record on Super Rare, which is like one of the platforms. And it was like, a, it was a decent amount of money. And, um, and like, it basically made as much as like, I think probably like six or 7 million plays. So it, it, it's, it's sort of like six or 7 million plays, which is very hard to do. Uh. And, and then you have like one NFT. So, <laughs> and, and I get a 10% royalty for life, you know? Um, so it's, it, a lot of people kind of perked up. We're like, oh, I don't, you, what do you mean? I don't have to like fight over pennies with Spotify. I can do this other thing that's more, you know, more akin to like an art market, I guess. Um, it, so th- I think people are, are definitely, uh, you know, kind of looking at that. And, but maybe if anything, I hope the, the financial side of it is just like sort of a trigger that the people, once they realize the technology behind it, it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is really cool. Um, cause I think once you get through the technical jargon, uh, I think the ideas are pretty like sound and easy to understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My, like, I mean, like my friends actually like mentioned crypto to me that, that had nothing to do with crypto by through through you they're like oh is this what is this what you do <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like, yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's um again i i still think people are still caught up with this idea of currency as being like the only thing um it's like oh well i don't you know is it fake money or whatever it's like well, what are you talking about like this is like <laughs> so much more than that like uh in, in fact like i I, I, I'm kind of annoying about it, but I like, I, I make a point to, if somebody says currency, I, I do try to correct people because like, I'm trying to get over this, this idea of, of a singular use case, you know? Um, but, but yeah, no, there's a lot of people getting into NFTs specifically. Uh, and, you know, I think in, in my own experience with my token, just onboarding people into this system, like once they, you know, once they have, um, like a MetaMask wallet and they have a little bit of ether and they have these tokens and now they're able to access these portals and do different things and that they're like, Oh, this is cool. Like this is, there's a lot to this. Um, you know, I, I think once you get over that first hump, it's, it's like pretty smooth sailing from there. I, I like didn't realize that there's kind of a totally different business model. Like that you mentioned, like it's more like an art market that you can mm-hmm. actually like take this, you know, music, which is, I guess, royalty based and change it into like, Hey, I painted this. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, there's only one, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like, yes, more people can technically access the art, but there is something uh, that's valuable in, in the ownership of it. And um, that's not for everybody. Not everybody is in the market for, um, you know, for, for digital art, but not everybody's in the market for, or like a sculpture, you know, or, you know, something abstract like that. So it's, it, I don't think it's the answer to everything, but it is a pretty interesting model. You know, I mean, we saw Wu-Tang do that um, a couple of years yeah. ago with Shkreli <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, obviously him being involved didn't help the cause, but, but I, th- I think the idea is very interesting. 
um, we've we've sort of been ingrained. Again, I'm, I'm not really making the argument against this, but we've sort of been ingrained with this concept that music should be widely distributed to the maximum amount of people. And I don't disagree, but I question why we came to that conclusion. Um, it's like, why is that? Shouldn't it be my choice as an artist? Shouldn't I have the choice of like how many prints or copies it, it should, should exist, you know? Um, I think NFT conceptually is a way to maybe achieve that. Again, I don't think that that's maybe the model for everything, but it could be a model. Um, if I put a lot of work into a song, maybe I only want a thousand people to own it. You know, I don't know. Is that interesting? Maybe, maybe not. But but like, I like the, uh, the I have the option to do so. You know, I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, I I agree with you. I think that that's kind of like a totally cool idea. Like, um, it's it's like I don't know, part of the metaverse. There's this there's this like. Uh, Tim Sweeney, uh, if I pronounce his name correctly, like the CEO of Epic, he like had this long podcast on like what what it takes to build a metaverse. And one of those things was like we need like digital scarcity and like mm-hmm. a, a way to track items and kind of mint them. Um, so are we are we getting blockchain on Fortnite? That would <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> be the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, that would be cool. Like that would that, that would be a fun fun thing to build. Yeah, it would be a great introduction. I, I think I've always felt like gaming to some extent would be a great introduction to this stuff for, for a large people that are not like typically crypto natives. I mean, you know, even in um, like, you know, uh, CSGO or like other types of games, I mean, it's, it's common to have scarce digital items. You know, it's this isn't like a foreign concept, which just happens to be all centralized. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, they whatever they want to control that, so you don't get twelve year olds gambling. But you know, it's it's a pretty interesting idea. I uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I sold. I had like an EverQuest character that I sold when I nice. <laughs> when, when I got to college, which was pretty cool. And like, I used to buy like I played Ultima online, like that was my game in the yeah, 90s. yeah. I used to buy gold and, and stuff. That that was like that felt like a different world. Like you could actually like interact in a, in a different universe for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I played, uh, my, my game was anarchy online. That's the one I played oh, awesome. a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I kind of missed the whole wow thing. I, I think I got out of gaming yeah. when wow came out and maybe as a good thing, cause I hear it's highly addictive, but, uh, <laughs> but it, um, no, I, I, I loved that. I actually, I, I loved, like I had like a guild and like we would go on raids together. We would do all that stuff. And like, I, I feel like I got to know them to some extent, you know, as well as you can. Um, it's like through a digital avatar per, per se, but um, I, uh, my brother also played it a lot and like we, we played together and uh, he, uh, he would sell his characters like <laughs> on eBay for like, like 1500 bucks for like a character, like fully leveled up pretty good uh for like you know a kid uh <laughs> and uh yeah i don't know it's just like it like again there's like a whole generation i mean if that's that's if that's my generation like the new generation is like totally used to this stuff it's not that foreign of a concept you know yeah yeah so those are like weird kind of weird forms of digital art too like <laughs> yeah. except that they're owned by like you know whatever the company that that runs them um but there it's this idea of of digital ownership um, I think it's not that hard to grasp it. And if anything, I, I feel like, you know, putting it on a blockchain of some sort uh, makes makes it even more kind of tangible 
and and be, if you can move it around, you know, yourself, yeah. you can see it in your wallet, like that that level of ownership. I think people could would react pretty positive positively to that, you know. Yeah, there, there's like uh, when Apple like released their like iPhone, they had this like idea of skeuomorphism, where mm-hmm. like every interaction had to look like something real, and I think that helped a lot for people to understand that the transition, whole, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like my, my mom asked me about Bitcoin and like setting up a wallet for her, like describing it in those terms. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it is interesting. And I, this is maybe a slight tangent, but um, I, I've been thinking about this in the context of like the early internet, you know, I mean, you were there. So like, I, I've actually been thinking about this. Like, I feel like the ad model that we've been living under you know the facebook the google google era basically it's been built on this idea that everything on the internet is free um and like if you think about it that's the only real place where that happens like you know anything in real life you know is not free (laughs) you have to pay for it one way or another like even even if if it's not direct it's taxes you know like somebody pays for it you know so like I, you know, we've been paying for it through data, whatever, whatever mechanism through our eyeballs or ad space. Like, and I feel like we're kind of moving away from that, or like we're maybe in. I don't know. I, I'm not going to make predictions, but like you know, in, in many years, we're we'll sort of just be used to paying for things that we use online, and we'll sort of have an expectation of quality. Like that feels like maybe a better exchange of some sort. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I think like that and expectation, I guess, of, of not of privacy and like, I almost think that like, it's not going to happen from like a traditional startup that, or like a company like that's doing microtransactions with you. I think it's going to come out through like governance, like mm-hmm. self, like self-organizing, like replacements for Google or whatever, like this part of decentralization that, um, kind of touches on the edges of like the content that we see and consume and like, especially like user created content. I think this is where governance can kind of turn that whole thing in its head. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know it's, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, I I think we've seen sort of like waves of it. I mean, we're kind of talking about this, like in 2017, that was maybe the first wave. We're going through another one now. I don't know if this will be the end state of it, obviously. Like I, I think we'll maybe need another wave somewhere down the line where these things really become fully robust to be able to compete with like, you know, a typical hierarchy. Right. Um, Because I, but I do think that these things scale better, like uh, bigger, you know, if something, if something open source got to the scale of Facebook, I think it would look very different. um, And it would probably be a lot more user focused, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, I think it would have like 10 X the value, like, mm-hmm. like, and what, what I think is really cool is that like, I don't know, there are some Alt- Altman wrote like that. There's like, you know, if you can get like a thousand fans to pay you a hundred bucks or something like that. Um, like if you have that group, just a thousand people that are making music together, that's not like a million people, but that is like awesome. That's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like a huge number of artists that are like collaborating and like the stuff that they would produce would just be ridiculously awesome. So, right. Like, it'd be super interesting to see because typically, 
I mean, ma- maximum y- a unit of maybe three or four or five, six people at most writing a song, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And not at the same time, you know, it would be really interesting to see like what, what a song that a thousand people work on, <laughs> you know? Or, or it's just like, like dumping samples and remixing them and like kind of riffing yeah. off each other, right? Like, I don't know. It, it would be interesting. Creatively, it, it would be very interesting it could go it could go the other way though it could just it could be absolute garbage so <laughs> but it, it yeah i don't know it'd be it would be a very interesting experiment um especially if we start to throw in some like generative ai stuff in there to just spice things up you know <laughs> uh, there's uh, i saw this like death metal generated a like youtube channel Nice. Um, which I Love like that. ended up listening for like a good solid hour. Because <laughs> it, it had like the vocals down too. Um, oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I like, I, I'm super into that kind of thing. I, uh, I, I, I played around with a, a little bit of like generative systems, not in the, it's not like AI or anything like that, but it is, it's sort of like, or, um, generating ideas through randomization, basically, or if you add enough variation, it in set it to random, it'll just kind of jump around to different things. It'll make sense musically. Um, and, uh, it, you know, th- th- that was sort of my approach to it, but um, it's, it's actually pretty surprising, like how easily you can get to something that's like passable, you know, it doesn't have like the nuance that a human has yet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, but it it is pretty interesting, um, you know. I I feel like we're starting to see some of the the GANs and like things like that that are that are starting to challenge a little bit of like what um, you know what what can be done. But but I like it. Would also, it's also going to be really interesting. Like when you get um, when you just think about that as a tool. Like if you if you want to make a painting or something and use like a, again to, to draw a painting and it auto flip, turns it into a landscape, like maybe that's a tool that you used and it was in an, in an, in an intentional way, or maybe you try to break it and that becomes part of the RP. I don't know. Um, kind of on a tangent, but um, like that's the, like, I'm not, I'm not like scared of technology in that sense, you know, of it, like, like hurting art. I think we'll always sort of figure out a way. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, right, it's going to, like, be driven by humans for the most part. <laughs> right. Although, yeah. <laughs> Although like, like, this is where, like, I feel like blockchain, like, is, like, this idea of, like, people working for, for a protocol. Like, I don't know. If there's, like, a billion events per second happening in some system, um, you don't know what's going on there, right? Like it, it's right. Like, it becomes intractable, and then you're like an ant that's not aware of the anthill or like what it, what the anthill is computing, right? <laughs> yeah, but then that's like a whole other level of governance that you have to like <laughs> figure out. I mean, we're we're kind of talking about MakerDAO, um, and you know they were one of the first kind of fully, you know, fully baked DAO kind of projects, and and you know. The, for example, like they set their interest rate by vote, and I'm like, that's so slow. It's like, <laughs> like, like we're you know the, the we're off the peg of the of die. You know, we're off like by like two percent or something like that. It's like this is this is bad, and they're like, well, we'll get it. we'll 
you know, submit a vote for it, you know, next, <laughs> our next meeting. And like, like we kind of need to fix this now guys. Uh, um, I, I think they're like working through all of that, but then we saw iterations of it, like with compounds, you know, we're at this algorithmic and there's like a couple other ones that are sort of expanding on that, that are basically building off of each other. And um, that, that's the kind of cool side of this that, uh, the composability of it, I think, is like super interesting. Of, of all these projects, kind of building off of each other. I mean, like Wiren, for example, wouldn't exist without all these other ones. Um, uh, Curve and and, yeah. uh, and even Curve is sort of built off of Wiren in in a, in a more underlying way. It, it's like it's super interesting. Yeah, the like the way like the idea of a token as like this container that's kind of moving between these systems with like. It's all, they're like kind of different risk engines. Aave Compound, they <laughs> have like an algorithm that's pricing risk slightly different. Um, it's, I think like this is what probably happens in like the real financial world, just like on paper. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool that we get like, um, we can actually examine the state and then people try to snipe that arbitrage, right? Like, right. Yeah. With infinite liquidity, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you better have thought of that obscure random problem. You know, if somebody dumps a hundred million dollars into your three to $3 million pool, you know, what's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Um, but like, again, just going back to this idea of open source and, um, I mean, I think that's sort of a theme of like everything we've been talking about is th- this idea of, of building off of infrastructure from other people and, and working together as sort of like a, a mass group of people that are sort of connected loosely by this token or this idea. Um, that's never re- really been an option up until now, right? Like this is, this is new. We don't, we don't know how this is going to play out. Um, like for example, uh, one one example that was a little bit controversial uh, with um, what's his name, uh, SBF from uh, or Alameda. Where I think it was it was Cream Finance where um, they listed the uh, what's it, the FTT token or something like that, which he had a lot of, so he could deposit his his exchange token as collateral. And then short all these other tokens, which hey, fair game. Uh, like, that's a fair game, but but people are like, uh, actually, uh, I don't know if we like this. <laughs> like, uh, but it's like it's sort of a use case that this enabled that we nobody was really thinking of, and um, well, at least at the time, or a lot of people didn't think of. So it was like it's like, but then the governance tried to step in, and like <laughs> people, it gets combative, and it's like. But it's interesting because this is all happening just by like in forums on the internet, you know, there's, there is maybe like a team behind it, but for the most part, this is like all happening on Twitter. Yeah. You're deep into the DeFi, like, uh, <laughs> the, DeFi. the drama. Yeah, oh, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> not, not really. I mean, it's like, I find it fascinating. Um, I, I don't participate in it. I just like, <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, it's never a dull day in, uh, in, um, in crypto. That's for sure. I think it's, uh, part of the i think like it's it's good for the space mostly most of the time because mm-hmm. like it's us discovering our own bugs versus like like somebody regulating them and like creating absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and like that's one thing that i will say is pretty positive about the whole DeFi thing is like i actually think it was quite insular uh it was very much like crypto people you know basically leveraged <laughs> <laughs> you're playing with leverage yeah. let's put it that way and uh 
And I, I'm just glad that it didn't kind of get out of hand where we got retail coming in and like, you know, getting into stuff they don't understand and, and stuff blowing up. Like, and then we have a whole nother 2017 all over again. So um, I, I was kind of happy about that, but it is, that's actually a really good way of putting it sort of like bug fixing or, or like, you know, fi finding the various, like not just code, but like sort of like governance things and problems. Yeah, I mean, these systems are like the biggest bug, like most incentivized bug bounties in the world, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was the one just recently um, with Harvest Finance? I think that was another one where I think they got got away with like 25 million. It, it was an arbitrage thing. It wasn't even like a really, like a contract bug necessarily. Um, it was maybe something they should have factored in, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and they, there's, there's this really interesting practice now, which is like this happened twice now where the hackers will take a bunch of money and then like toss a couple million back. <laughs> They're like, ah, I feel bad. I feel about taking all your money. So uh, here's here's a couple million back. And like they didn't even drain the entire pool. It was really interesting. It was sort of like a pseudo, not 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 fully, maybe a gray hat. Yeah, yeah, gray hat. Five, <laughs> not, not fully black hat, but... Um, a little bit of a conscious. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. Well, like if you take all of it, like it becomes toxic, right? This is kind of like the weird part in the space is that like things are fairly traceable. And like if you end up like trying to like use a mixer, like, like you actually may like get blocked completely by like a mm -hmm. legitimate like exit point. So like it, it, it's a weird weird thing right like you can't actually like <laughs> steal too much um like with right yeah well i i we, we saw the uh the kucoin hacker or whatever um we were just sort of like watching this whole thing unfold and realize like they're kind of bad at this like they, <laughs> they don't like like the, the i think they were trying to like do like like you know i i think like trade some tokens on uniswap or whatever and and they were just like destroying the market like it's just like, like what are you doing um like it's it's feel like they didn't even have like a full um like understanding of it so it was it felt like i don't know just kind of an interesting um like somebody somebody got access to like an exchange account or something like that and, and drained like 150 million dollars um i don't know it's like the, okay, like the, the, to your point about like the, the whole ecosystem in general, like there are certain parts of it that are definitely toxic. I mean, there's uh, tribalism is certainly like a very toxic sort of virus that seems to infect certain people. Uh, we've seen it maybe more prominently in, in Bitcoin, but it definitely happens in Ethereum too. Um, this sort of idea of maximalism that there's only one blockchain, which is ridiculous if you really sit down and think about it. Um, and and I, I don't know, like it, it's, but the, the way that I think about these systems is that it's because it's permissionless or it sort of enables everything. So there's like the good and bad and it's sort of everything at once. And, um, you know, certain things will grow and die and then, and other things will learn from that and, and grow from there. So it's like, it's kind of weirdly organic and, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's super fascinating. Like that, I, feel, I feel like I keep saying that, but that's like the only way I can describe it. Like this kind of the, I think the social kind of asp phenomenon of maximalism is like, I think part of this holding this token and like paying for it 
and then being like early enough for it to grow and like kind of like you get like defensive right this is like i mm-hmm. built this thing right like right <laughs> where all these people try to like you have a lot invested in yeah, it right yeah, yeah like, like so I, it's become a part of your identity yeah as well which is i think why like governance tokens if somebody can like you know a smaller social network that is like user owned through governance is going to be worth like you know 10x as if it was like ad driven because mm-hmm. of that like yeah. i think in a way we're building social weird social networks right <laughs> yeah they are i i that's uh, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot um with with my own token that i did it was like i called it a community token but basically the whole idea is like it's a social token um that's owned by me and people in my community so uh you know basically like a fan club essentially uh and okay so like if we take if we take like a um you know a, a token as a as a mechanism of just combining all these people and you apply it like you know to an, an exchange or or uh the the example that i like to give is like people can rally around uniswap and uniswap's amazing but it's it's an exchange you know it's like there's not much to it, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like culturally speaking, um, it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, but like, I think the vast majority of people are not that interested in that. So like w- applying that to something cultural, um, in my, in my case, or, or applying it to, uh, like something like a social network or something like that, I, I think is like super interesting. And, um, I, I could see that, um, definitely kind of expanding quite a bit, you know? Just this, like technology aside, just this loose idea of of owning a piece of the network that you're in, of owning your own social graph, I think is like super interesting. Yeah, I I agree. Like I think like like just the incentives are misaligned with ads. Like folks, you know, there's some company that's like trying to feed you information you don't want that somebody's paying them to feature, right? Like, for, like that wouldn't happen in like a user-owned network, right? Like that, that's right. kind of like, <laughs> like the the arbitrage, right, is for like the, the stuff that I want versus I don't. Um, and, and if they would introduce that, I could very easily be forked out, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, yeah it's, a, the, it's that sort of nature of it, of, of uh you know, a, a governance of just like a wide open governance, I think is like super interesting because yeah, people will like, I think we'll, will generally gravitate towards like an equilibrium that is, that works for everybody, you know, that works for the platform creators that, you know, the people that actually work on it um, and works for the users as well. Um, we're like way over time, but I have like 13 more yeah. minutes so we can just, <laughs> so we can keep going. Yeah, let's do it. Did you like, um, like there's this like the whole sushi swap thing I think was like <laughs> like like yeah. an awesome like story like I'm gonna tell that story like I think like ten years from now <laughs> like the it idea was quite eventful yeah. yeah like this kind of like almost like a community it wasn't like a raid on Uniswap it was like a raid on the network right the social side of it. Like, how do you like mm-hmm. go get a bunch of users to like hop over? <laughs> <laughs> you, you give them a token right. uh, by, by basically like the way that I think about these things is like, okay, especially if we're talking about in- liquidity incentives or whatever, it's like even abstracting it from that is like you, you have something that people want and you have something that you want them to do. 
and you figure out how to how to merge those two. <laughs> and and what what did SushiSwap want? They wanted liquidity. So how do they have this token that gives them control over this new platform? Well, somebody's going to want that. There'll be some financial value to it. And so it's like they, they kind of merge both of those worlds. Like in 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 my case, it's like what do I want? I want I want people like my fans to be more engaged and and have a piece of ownership in my community. So like what am I, I'm going to actually give them the token, you know, just because they're, they've already been participating. So like that was sort of my approach to it, but like, we're seeing like every other model try, you know, try, try it out. And I mean, SushiSwap is super fascinating, especially with like the, 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 the founder, I guess, kind of like, you know, sold his share <laughs> and that was very dramatic. And then, um, you know, kind of. I mean, I, I actually think SushiSwap accelerated the launch of Uniswap to, of Uni. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is pretty clear. Uh, I will say the Uniswap token I thought was an amazing launch and super interesting. So I'm, I'm glad they did it right. But <laughs> it was like it felt a little bit like a reaction to to that because I think they were threatened. I think at one point SushiSwap had seventy yeah. percent of of all LP tokens or something like that, um, and I mean, I, w- I was right there with them, but I, I was like, you know, I was probably, I was one of the people that was going to take my liquidity out before it switched. Cause like, I don't want to, I don't want to ride that wave. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to be a part of that story where it's like bug in the contract destroys, you know, a billion dollars. Um, so I, <laughs> it could have happened. Um, but but this sort of like vampire mining or whatever I forget what the term was, but that was like super interesting, right? Yeah. Like how do you bootstrap a community? And and I, what I will say is like SushiSwap for as much drama as they had early on, they've really sort of developed into their own thing. And like it's, I think it's it's maybe not on the level that Uniswap is, but it's very viable. And like um, you know, as we move to more um, sort of Dex aggregators, that type of thing, um, it'll be. Then I feel like it'll sort of just become a part of a piece of the puzzle, you know, um, and and people will use it if it has better rates, you know. Yeah, that's how I'm thinking about it. Uh, like, yeah, I, I think that'll happen with like layer ones as well. Like, it's gonna kind of I think get a little bit be- in the in the background. Um, Th- that is how I see a lot of this stuff, actually. Like, I, I I mean, I think you were talking about audience. I think audience is a great example of like abstracting that from the user and that's not to say that like i feel like people get into this argument it's like oh this platform is this l1 whatever like it's it's like not it's like if you're making something that's consumer facing um it's 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 finding the right balance of you know uh like basically abstracting that completely from the user so it's like indistinguishable from web 2 but still has all the benefits of web 3 none of the yeah. <laughs> drawbacks yeah. of, of web three hopefully yeah. uh and and i feel like there's like if we're talking about consumer grade stuff there is uh, there's plenty of room to like sort of you know hi, you know hide the 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 plumbing under underneath the hood i guess and a lot of people get caught up in that and sort of are willing to take um like i guess like a, a shittier experience basically like you're, you're uh, a linux user right you were willing right, to build blackboard yeah, yeah. and use like, <laughs> like oh sorry now i use arch by the way okay. uh, arch, yeah. arch, is, arch is cool <laughs> yeah well what's the 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 saying is like um how do you spot somebody 
or how do you know if somebody uses Arch Linux? Is, don't worry, they'll tell you. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, this, this was like, I was a Gente user for like a decade. I was, I, had, I was a guru in the forums. <laughs> like, and mm-hmm. like, just one, I had to recompile the kernel once to get something done. And I was like, fuck this. And I bought a Mac. And that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like, yeah. Ugh. But that is sort of like the, well, I think, I feel like that's sort of the extent of open source up until a point, right? Like, okay. So like, I mean, if you think about it, Linux uh, is the most widely used operating system on the planet. Um, Like if you really think about it that way, and that's incredible for something that's free, like, you know, that's, that's maintained by, by people. Uh, I mean, there's some ways to make money off of it, obviously, but for the most part, um, you know, people do it for free. Uh, so, so like that, that's super interesting, but what happens when you add sort of this layer of, of like f- financial, this financial layer on top of it, or this way to capture the value of it, um, like baked, baked in on like a protocol level. I feel like that's sort of the unleashing of open source yep. Yep. where, um, you know, that's, I think where it can start to rival the, the, uh, the apples of the world. And, um, I mean, Apple sort of benefits from from that. Like, I'm a Mac user too. Like, it, it's a great experience. Like, it's you can't argue with that. If if you're in the walled garden, it's an amazing yeah. garden. You know, uh, <laughs> there's some and, until you want to do something that's different. But you know what I mean. Like, it's it. I understand why people use it. You know, um, but I, I feel like those experiences can exist in in the open source world when you unleash them in that way. And that's what I'm hopeful that this stuff will start to do over time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like with like, just like music, I think open source is, it's like so hard to monetize. You really need to have like be like Linux or like even the SQL light guys, what big mm-hmm. widest use database in the world, they make like pennies. Like, like yeah. how, how do you make money if you just wrote some library that like, you know, 10,000 people use? <laughs> Right. Like, like you're creating value right. clearly. Yep. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, it's yeah. so clear, but um, they're not able to capture that, unfortunately. Uh, but within this new model, you could, and, and like, I, I think it'll sort of be competed away into a, uh, like a, a, a system that, that is uh, fair. You know what I mean? Like, because if it's too rent extracting, yep. it'll just sort of be forked away. Until, you know, it'll, I, I really do think like over time, these things will find like a middle ground where it's like, you're paying for, um, I keep throwing HTTPS or, or what, you know, like any kind of an SMTP, ser- <laughs> like a, whatever kind of server, an NTP server, sure. When, yeah. uh, like wh- whatever you want, like wh- where those services will have like a small transaction fee of some sort. Um, and that'll be normal and, and sort of baked into whatever thing you're using, you know. And then those people are able to make a living off of building those types of protocols. I mean, that, that's, that's how I see it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I have a live storm thing right after this yeah, like yeah. five minutes. So yeah, it kind of can't be two <laughs> places, man. This was super fun. Um, yeah, this is great. <laughs> I, I love getting in the weed, yeah. the weeds about this stuff. The, the, what we're really talking about here is like basically tying an NFT directly to a physical product. And, um, 
I, I did this one thing recently where it's not a vinyl. I actually am going to do a vinyl. I'm actually doing this, what you're describing, but basically uh, I, I released a cassette tape and it was opened up to trading before for like a month or two before. So people could buy and sell the, the token that was representative of, of the cassette tape. But then at a later date, you could redeem the cassette tape, which, which would effectively burn the token and take it out of circulation. So, and then we would mail the, t the tape to you. So there's, it's not like perfectly decentralized or anything like that, but it was, it was a way to sort of tie the token directly on redemption to like a physical product. So, um, I, I it, it actually became the most expensive cassette tape of all time. <laughs> so, uh, we beat prints, which is like insane to me. Um, but it, it's it, again this this idea of applying markets to uh, limited edition goods and physical products is is super interesting and and uh, again it's just it's sort of it's about finding the the true value of these objects or products that you're you're um, making whether that's like digital music or whether that's vinyl or whether that's a cassette tape whatever whatever it is um, it's it's really what we're talking about is just like finding the value of it through a market. Um, hopefully that answers that. <laughs> so, uh, for, for example, like one way that I'm sort of mitigating that with, with my own token, um, is that it's earned. So, and it's earned in small increments. So we, we don't really have like a whale problem, you know, e even like, uh, and by whale, I mean like somebody with like, like a huge amount of tokens that could sort of derail <laughs> governance, I guess. So, uh, I think you sort of have to think about that when you're figuring out issuance and, and um, if, you, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, your token distribution, whatever, I think thinking about ways to to get that distribution into the widest amount of people in, in small increments, I think, is a way to sort of mitigate that. Um, and uh, like the, the NFT stuff as, as like a voting right, I think is pretty interesting. I mean... I think like maybe it's like one in like people can always like sort of make more wallets and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. There's like a, a couple like tricky things to, to tackle in there, but but maybe, maybe just enough resistance that it, it becomes a little bit more fair. So yeah, and th thank you for having me, guys. This is fun. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I never get to talk about this stuff, so I, I appreciate it. It's great. <laughs> See you guys. Take yeah. care. Bye.